Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hi, this is Judy Sedgman, and I'm uh, here to welcome you to Psychology Has It Backwards with my friend and colleague, Christine Heath. And Chris is in Hawaii. I'm in Florida. We're both warm. And, uh, and uh, today we're going to talk to you about getting through big life changes. And, you know, when we talk about big life changes, it's almost funny because one person's big change is another person's ho-hum. So whatever occurs to you to be a difficult change or something that's going to be a little hard to manage uh, as you go through life, uh, that's your big life change in the moment. So we're not going to try to define it. You know, I mean, people would say, well, divorce, job change, moving, moving to another country or another city, changing homes, whatever, but getting old, getting old. Yeah. But that happens so slowly. It does <laughs> sneaks up on you. <laughs> but that is a big life change. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, but it doesn't matter because for some people, uh, you know, just going from room to room is a big change. So it just, you know, whatever, appears to you to be demanding something from you because it's a change for you. That's what we're talking about. So don't try to categorize it as we're talking and say, well, you know, that's never, I've never done that, but I've done this other thing. It doesn't matter because change is change. And everybody sees life differently. But when I think about handling change, um, a lot of us, you know, and get into just a routine whatever we're doing now, even if it's complicated and difficult, if we're used to it, uh, and somebody says, oh, you know, you're going to get promoted or you're going to do this other thing or we're going to change things, it, you, you know, your first, your first instinct is to go, oh, you know, how am I going to do that? So uh, essentially, if you look underneath the question of handling life change, the real question is, am I comfortable with something is unknown to me right now? Am I because I'm whatever whenever we're changing, we're changing the known, what we're used to, what we're habitually involved in every day for the unknown. And uh, the unknown for some people is a really scary place. Uh, for other people, it's a happy place, but I would say the majority of people that we work with, it's not. So when you think about it, um, in the present moment, you always know. And that I think the, the first thing I would say about learning to, to adjust to change is to realize that if you don't get ahead of yourself or you don't think back and scare yourself with fear that you didn't do something you should have or whatever, if we, to the degree that you can stay in the present and handle change as it comes to you, um, it's not that scary because in the present moment we know where we are. And we know what we're doing. And the only time we get frightened, upset, um, or worked up about change is when we start making lists or starting fearing this or fearing that or whatever. So that that's kind of the start on what we're going to talk about. I used to live in Minnesota before I moved to Hawaii. And um, when I was learning the principles, and I, I really pretty much transformed, 
And I became kind of a nice person. Like I was funny and um, kind and I wasn't stressed out and I wasn't so serious and I wasn't arguing all the time. And I wasn't like feeling like I was the victim of the world, which definitely interacted with my boyfriends a lot in a negative way because I kept thinking they were always abusing me, right? And so I was talking to um, my mentor one day and I was upset about um, being the director of this clinic and not being as kind as I should be and could be and and being too hard on people, having high expectations for people. And I was crying and crying and I'm so upset. And he goes, now, dearie, sometimes you get we get in a low mood and sometimes we get in a very low mood like you are right now. He said, you know, I think you've just gotten bored. What about moving to Hawaii? And I was like, Hawaii, yeah. And then I thought, yeah, that sounds good. Oh, that's a great idea. And so I thought, I'm going to move to Hawaii. Now, I knew no one in Hawaii. I um, had no idea what life was like here. It was totally an unknown. And I decided, but I said, yeah, I'm, I'm turning into a nice person. And if I stay in Minnesota, I'll be stuck here for my life. And no offense to Minnesotans. I know you love it there. But to me, the cold weather just was not my thing. I didn't, I I tried as best I could to enjoy it, but it was not my thing. And I thought, look, I'm 30 years old. I'm not married. I can live any place I want. And if I put myself where I want to live, I'm more likely to meet somebody there. And then I can stay there for my life. If I stay in Minnesota, I'm never going to leave here because Minnesotans, you know, they're by and large, their big vacation is to go to northern Minnesota. <laughs> that's about as much as change as we as we handle. So I, I got ready and I um, talked three other women into moving with me. And we started to make plans to, to come over here very slowly. Okay? It, it was because it was really, uh, I was a little insecure about it, you know, because I didn't really know what to do. And I was quite cocky about what I could do and what I could make happen. And so long story short, I got these women to agree to move there with me. And then um, in April, they moved over and they got jobs and they were setting up the business and doing things while I was closing down my part of the clinic in Minnesota, selling my house and doing that. And I was like, not in a hurry. I was just doing it really slowly. And people had the worst time with that. They were like, Chris, when are you leaving? I said, oh, I don't know, this summer sometime. You don't know when? said, no, I, I, but, you know, somewhere in June, July, somewhere in there. And and then they were like, well, what are you going to do when you get there? I said, I, I have no idea. I, I don't have any idea. Well, don't you have a job? I said, no, I don't have a job. Well, don't you, um, who do you know there? I said, I don't know anybody. Now, now, wait a minute, you're moving to Hawaii, which, you know, this is 1985, right? So that's like in the middle of the ocean. And you don't know anybody and you don't have a job. What are you going to do? I said, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. It's going to be an adventure. And you could just see in their eyes like, oh, my God, she's totally lost it. <laughs> and, and they were, especially my mother, my mother was sure I'd be back in six months. That It was just this crazy lark I was going on. And so what, going into that, I was, first of all, I was sure I was going there and I felt fine about it. But everybody around me was really insecure. And then they'd ask me all these questions and then I'd get caught up in those details. Like, oh my God, what am I going to do? What is this going to happen? And then I'd get insecure about it. 
And then I try to manage it by trying to think about the unknown. And I shortly realized that I just had to let, let it go. And I thought, well, you know, if you spend some money and you blow it, you can always come back. And that's, that there's, a, there's always a way to do something and you'll figure it out. So being able to trust that and go through that. But I mean, other people, uh, we live in a world where we're kind of taught that we should pay attention to all the details and that we should know everything ahead of time. And the truth is you just never do, never. And being able to go with the flow and trusting that my wisdom would guide me along the way would always bring me back to uh, the fun of it. And it was actually kind of fun for me to kind of freak people out, to be honest with you, because it was like I could see how much they wanted to have like a plan and have everything organized. And and I was totally into really going with the unknown and kind of letting it fly. But I think most of us, when we go through change, we want to think about it ahead of time. Now, the truth is, if you're not in, if you've never done it before, and if it's something new, you don't know what's going to happen. So the more you get caught up trying to think about it and trying to manage all the details, the more stressed you get and the more overwhelmed you get. Now, I'm not saying I didn't get overwhelmed at time. I got actually got the most overwhelmed when I got here because when I got to Hawaii, I realized it was it, indeed a state in the United States, but it was a totally different country. And I, I had no clue that I had no clue what being Caucasian in this uh, different culture would mean in terms of me changing and seeing my own white privilege and my own uh, way of doing things like the Minnesota way versus the way things are done in, in Hawaii. And I was constantly coming up against my own past. So knowing how the principles work really helped me to kind of get through that. But there were days when I'd get lost and I couldn't pronounce the street I was at. I didn't know what how to say the street I was going to. And I just <laughs> break down crying like, I can't do this. It's too much. And then I'd remember like, it's okay. It's okay not to know. It's okay to learn. It's okay. Just settle down. You'll be okay. And the plan I had didn't happen that way. You know, it's like we had to really, we all had to get other jobs. We all had to do things that I, I in my mind, I'm just going to set this clinic up and people will show up and it'll all happen. And it just didn't work like that. So I think that what happens when we think too much about it is we get these plans in our head and then life doesn't happen that way. And then we get insecure because we think that our plan was right. Right. Even though we just made it up. Yeah. I think that's the biggest problem. We always forget that we're making it up every day. (laughs) And just because we made it up doesn't mean it's the way it is. It's the way it looks right then. But, you know, I had a similar experience when I, um, when I decided to devote my life to the principles, but I didn't know what that was going to mean, but it was so compelling to me that I, you know, and I had gotten divorced and my daughter had left for college and I'm by myself and kind of floundering. And I thought, well, I've just got to sell my business and, and just go someplace. And I didn't know where I would go. And, um, and I got insecure about money because I had to support myself as well. And uh, so I, I was offered an opportunity in California. So I thought, well, I'll go to California. But there was, it was nothing to do with the principles. But in my 
insecurity, I thought, well, I'll make it work. I'll make, I'll bring the principles into this situation, which was not going to happen. And it was a big self-help organization. And as soon as I got there, I knew it was the wrong thing. I didn't move. I just went out there for a little while and I hadn't sold my house yet or anything. But I was, and I was trying to make it work and I was trying to figure out how to make it work because I, like you said, Chris, I was attached to, well, I decided I was going to go to California. And so that was going to work. And while I was in California, um, and I have no idea how he found, because it was before cell phones, I don't know, have a clue how George Bransky found out where I was, but he did. And uh, George Pransky called me up. George Pransky at that time was a psycho- one of the early psychologists that was involved in the principles. And George called me up and said, hey, I haven't heard from you for a while. Where are you? And I said, well, I'm in California. He said, oh, what are you doing in California? And I said, well, you know, I'm getting involved with so-and-so and I'm thinking this is going to work out and I'm going to, you know, work the principles into it as I, you know, as they, they get used to me. And it was... And I was, you know, I was talking too much. You know, I was, you know how you get when you're trying to defend the indefensible and the more you talk about it, the more you realize this is really stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm talking and talking and and George says, oh, he said, yeah. He said, well, you know, I wish you the best. He said, I'll tell you the one thing that I've learned in life is that when it gets too hard to do, it's probably the wrong thing. And that's all he said, but it set me free. You know, just hearing those words, and I thought, yeah, this is getting too hard to do. It's probably the wrong thing. And it just resonated with me. So I, I, I left, I hung up the phone. I went to the office where I was, you know, getting in, involved in this corporation. And I went to the president of the corporation who had invited me. And I said, um, I know that you sent me some money to come here and be trained, but I'm going to give you your money back and I'm going, I'm not coming. And he said, what do you mean you're not coming? You're great. You can do a fabulous job. We're going to love you. You're going to work out great. You're just, you know, you're just getting too worried. And I said, no, it's the wrong thing for me. I'm not going to do it. And he was very upset. And he was like, you know, I'm just not about the money, but you know, you, and I said, yeah, you're right. It's not about the money. It's, it's just about my feeling that this is not going to work. And, and they, they, they were, I actually talked to somebody from back then, not too long ago, he tracked me down on Facebook. I hadn't talked to him for years and he called me up and he said, so I see, I, I've been looking at your Facebook page and I see it did work out for you to do that other thing. <laughs> it was really funny. But so I left and I went back, you know, to, to Florida where I was, you know, still had to sell my house. And so my friends were saying, look, Judy, you're just floundering. You're doing, you know, you have no idea what you're doing. You've got to sit down and make a plan. And I was, I, I just couldn't because I didn't know what to do. And I thought, yeah, I mean, I've made business plans for people as a consultant for years, but I had no idea how to make a plan for myself. And I knew it was not the right way to go about it. So I'm sitting at home and I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to sell the house and see what I see what occurs to me and I'll do whatever that is. And George calls again. And George says, hey, uh, I haven't heard from you for a while. Where are you? And I said, oh, I'm back in Florida. I'm selling my house. And And he said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. He said, oh, okay. And he said, have you ever thought about living in Laconner? And I said, no. And I really hadn't because to me, Laconner was such a tiny little town. (laughs) And I was a city girl and I couldn't even imagine myself living there among the tulips and the cows and the forest and the bears. and oh." 
And so, um, you know, it's too scary. So he said, oh, okay, well, uh, you know, good luck. I I'll wish you the best. I'm sure things will work out for you. And I went to bed that night and I woke up in the morning more rested than usual. I got just calmed down. I don't know why it's very soothing to calm down and talk to George. I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and I thought, well, just because I've never thought about moving to Laconor doesn't mean it's a bad idea. I've just never thought of it. So maybe I should reflect on that. And then I thought, nah. <laughs> and I went through two or three days where the idea kept coming back to me. You know, look into it. Maybe it's a good idea. And then this other voice would come to me and go, nah, nah you know, you won't like it. It's a small town. You, there's nothing, nothing for you there. You know, you got to go to a city. You got to go to San Francisco or someplace big. So, but I couldn't, I couldn't shut that, uh, that little voice up, you know, and now looking back on it, I realized that was my wisdom. That was my own intuition about a direction that was different. Something had never occurred to me before that didn't fit into any of my life plans or my lifestyle, but it was, it was like calling me, you know, this little voice would say, well, you might give it a thought. So I ended up calling George's office and asking them to send me the classified section of the local newspaper. And I was looking through this section and I found this little house for rent that they wanted to rent for a year because the husband's job was taking them out of the country for a year, but then they'd come back. And I thought, well, that's perfect. You could rent a place for a year. And if it didn't work out, you know, you wouldn't be obligated for more than a year. And if it worked out, you could find another place, you know? So, so I, rented it on the phone. I'd never seen it. I'd only been to LaConnor once in my whole life. And um, I rented it. And I sold my house like the next day. Yeah, somebody, I was really desperate because nobody was buying the house and I was really getting worried about it. And all of a sudden somebody walked in and said, oh, I love this house. I want to buy it. And within two weeks I was moving. And I sold everything I owned, really. I had an estate sale, basically. I had somebody come in and just sell everything out of my house. I just kept a few things, and I moved to LaConnor. And that was the beginning of my work in the principles. But the funny part about it was it was so easy. The difference between what I went through in, in California and then agonizing over where to go and what to do and trying to think about it and make lists and talk to people versus these two little conversations with George that just kind of calmed me down and gave, you know, planted like, like Sid's telling Chris, have you thought about moving to Hawaii? It, you know, I just thought, wow, this is something totally different. It's a whole different way to change your life. And I was not frightened. When I went to California, I was scared. You know, there was something in me that was telling me this is going to be really difficult. And dip. when I went to LaConnor, I was it was an adventure. I same as Chris said, that was the exact word that came to me as I was driving across country. What an adventure. I've never thought of living, you know, in the Northwest. I mean, that is like a foreign area to me. And, um, and what I learned from all of that is that you've got to listen to the right, to the right information that it's always there. You know, that the wisdom is, is coming to us, but, our mind has is very quick to jump on it and find fault with it. And, and the difference as Chris described so beautifully is in the feeling that you get when the, when the thoughts come to you that are 
soothing and appealing and intriguing and sound kind of interesting and nice and that might work, you know. You know, I think what's really beautiful about the stories that you've just shared, Judy, is one of the things is when people go through change, like two things happen, I think. One is, is that you get a new job, right? You apply and, you, and then you get it. And then you get insecure about it, right? It's kind of like you want the new job, but then you have to change. Yeah. So you've got to change your life. You've got to change where you live. Maybe you've got to move. You, you have to do whatever you have to do to do that. And then we start thinking about it. Then we get caught up in the details of it. And we try to manage those details in our head. And so when things get hard, instead of like stepping back and saying, wait a minute, maybe this is the wrong direction, or maybe I'm, I'm looking at this wrong and it's getting too complicated, we plow through it and we try to everything our little pea brain thinks of to do, we have to do. Instead of really seeing like what he told you is when things get hard, like it just means you're kind of going in the wrong direction. So it's like, going upstream instead of going with the energy of life. Right. And I think that's, I mean, I think, I know that the two of us do that about everything in life. When things get hard, we just say, screw it. And then we quiet down and, and we will take a whole different track. And for most people, that's very foreign because we're, I mean, psychology does teach us to organize, plan, set goals, follow things through to that goal as if somehow, I mean, like the goals I set, before I learned the principles, were, would have been very limiting to the ones I have now. You know, like that wouldn't have even been in the same playbook. So if you keep changing the goals you make or what you're going to do has to change with that. And I think just remembering that um, that there's not a plan in life, that you got to live it more extemporaneously, knowing that if you trust your wisdom and you quiet down, the answers will come to you. And you'll actually get a better outcome than you could have imagined. So if you get caught in the details, just remember, you're either going the wrong direction or you just need to get quiet to see how to make it simpler. Yeah. And listen to the quieter voice, you know, that comes to you, the the less dramatic, I'd say. Yeah. The thing that sounds, sounds like, well, meh, it's a little thing, but it's always the little things that count. You know, that little voice. Yeah. It's a little bit powerful as opposed to the, the tripping. Watch out. Watch out. Bad things could happen. <laughs> well, we're about 22 minutes here, so I guess we should say aloha. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com. 